I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast today Jake Rockentansky. He is one of the managing editors of QAnon Anonymous, the most expert journalistic source on Q. Jake, it's a pleasure to host you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Jake, you are based in Los Angeles, and you, like your co-host and co-editor, Travis Hugh, go under a pseudonym. Um, and that is a testament to the radical terroristic element of Q, that you really feel threatened or concerned about having your real name in the midst of this madness. Um, I, I was wondering if you could just reflect on knowing the damage that Q has done to lives and livelihoods in Washington, D.C. as a domestic terrorist organization. If you could just reflect on how and when you realized the danger of this group, and, and if you can at all impart how it's escalated. Right. I mean, those are both, those are both good questions. Um, I think for me, the real sort of wake up call happened when, you know, I was casually following uh, QAnon on the um, Reddit conspiracy board, our conspiracy, just because I've always been fascinated by conspiracy theories. And it was very interesting to see one happening in real time, as opposed to one that had happened, you know, 50 years ago, 20 years ago. And you're sort of looking, you know, looking back and, and picking through the pieces. And when the QAnon message board got banned from Reddit and moved to vote. And I went over to vote to see, which is another, you know, it's an anonymous, anonymous uh, sort of message board platform, kind, kind of like an anonymous version of, of Reddit or, or, or Twitter. Um, when I went over there uh, to see, you know, what the community was saying when there was, you know, no censorship, no names associated, no usernames, completely anonymous. And like the first you know, every other, every other 10 posts were basically like, okay, finally we can talk about the Jews and being a Jewish person myself. That was when I, that was when I realized that there was something deeper under the surface than just this kind of Tom Clancy esque, uh, you know, fascistic, uh, military fantasy. Um, and I think that the way that it's escalated, um, especially in the last, you know, six to eight months. And I know you spoke with, with Travis about um, the quarantines and the lockdowns and how that attributed to people sort of falling down the rabbit hole. Um, I also think what's happening is that reality is not fitting in with the narrative that uh, the QAnon community has been sold on or bought into. And so as as each week, you know, it was first it was that Trump lost the election, and then it was that all of the lawsuits failed, and then it was the Department of Justice said yes, the, the, these allegations of fraud have no real basis, and then it was Mike Pence saying, hey, no, I'm not going to sway the election. I'm going to do ex I'm going to perform the perfunctory duty that the vice president is supposed to. I think when you have these major events that conflict with the you know, the narrative that um, Q supporters have uh, sold themselves on. I think that people get upset, they get angry. There's rage there, 
And that just just naturally, because it's it's kind of a fascistic fantasy in the first place, I think it 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 pushes people a little bit closer to violence. What percent of the Q element is intent on making that fascistic, anti-Semitic reality through terrorist acts like the insurrection on the Capitol? Um, and and I wonder if you can say what percent of the community from your reporting is is really intent on making that a reality, whether that's the genocide against the Jewish community or a Trump authoritarian regime that's not subject to elections. What percent of the Q community would realize that by force? Well, honestly, I, I do think it is a smaller percentage of, of the QAnon community. Um, you know, I mean, I think to answer your first question, I think that, you know, the, the big ticket item of QAnon is this idea of military tribunals and arrests of politician and public executions. That is kind of the main attraction, I think, for everybody. So, you know, in, in and we've always said uh, on the show is is that you know one of the you know one of the nice things about QAnon for its believers is that you you get to have this kind of uh, bloodthirsty revenge, but you get to sit back behind your computer and, you know, the military will take care of it or the, you know, quote unquote Q team will, will take care of it. Um, you know, we haven't seen in the past uh, a lot of, um, you know, there's been very small instances where QAnon uh, believers have been driven to violence, but there, there have been, there have been cases. Um, what I think is, is much more worrying um, is the idea that, uh, organized militia groups like the Proud Boys, like um, the Boogaloo Boys, uh, like the Groypers, um, the Three Percenters, your 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 more sort of organized, um, armed uh, militia groups. I think that they see a useful tool in QAnon supporters. Or is it that they are converging? Well, I think it's. I mean, I think it's both. I, I think that they are they are passionate. They are angry and they are um, unwilling to alter, you know, alter the course of their beliefs based on things that they see in front of them, which I think can be very useful for somebody who wants to, you know, test security weaknesses on government buildings or, you know, et cetera. Um, I I do think that um, just like with anything else, when you're constantly faced with, dissonance, you know, the things that you believe you're, you know, or you were told that are definitely going to happen, you know, trust the plan. When you see that falling apart in front of you, I I absolutely think that some of the maybe more unstable believers, um, they could converge with uh, some of the, um, you know, right wing uh, extremist groups. But you said unstable believers, don't you have to be unstable to believe in actuality? the the thesis or the propositions that Q asserts? I mean, that's a great question. And, and I, w- I would say yes, uh, but we've seen, um, we've seen uh, just both through my research and, and personal anecdotes uh, in my life, people who are very smart doctors, uh, you know, uh, psychologists, people who you would think have a pretty decent grasp on reality, uh, falling victim to this kind of stuff. 
Um, so, you know, maybe it is opening something that is always there. Uh, perhaps it is, um, you know, it's tapping into a, a anger or, or mistrust of the general system that, you know, wasn't there before. Uh, all, all we know is that it's very powerful. You know, we, we, we had, um, uh, Mark Andre Argentino on, on our podcast and he's been studying this, um, this movement, um, sort of from an academic perspective. And he was saying that the rate at which normal people radicalize to QAnon is far greater than, you know, some of your, you know, more standard extremist groups like ISIL or, or something like that. So, I mean, it does have the power to convert, I think. So who are the groups that are falling prey to this movement? You identified the catalyst or impetus that might drive people with racist or anti-Semitic agendas. Um, But if you were to explain it in its full complexity, uh, why are, (laughs) which are the groups falling prey to it and why are they falling prey to it? Uh, That's a, that's a great question. Uh, One thing we've seen, especially since um, the coronavirus lockdowns were in place is there is a large, um, there is a large sort of new age spiritualism community uh, pipeline to QAnon and conspiracy theory, uh, especially through the sort of, uh, you know, vaguely disguised uh, Save the Children movement. We saw that pull a lot of young moms, you know, who were uh, originally posting sort of lifestyle content on their Instagrams, you know, pictures of their kids, their families, meals, um, and then we you see this dramatic shift, uh, basically in March of 2020, um, to posting you know, right wing extremism content. Um, you know, one of the probably less surprising, one of the less surprising paths, um, we see uh, people who are involved in um, like the men's rights movements. Um, we see those uh, those communities very quickly being usurped and embracing, you know, and embracing QAnon. Um, and, and the interesting thing, I mean, talking about the anti-Semitism is it is, it's, you know, to people who study this stuff, it's, it's not thinly veiled, but if, if you don't know what to look for, it can seem a little bit more obscure. Um, you know, in the QAnon world, this idea of, you know, George Soros, you know, this George Soros, the billionaire sort of pulling the strings on Antifa or the idea of a new world order, um, globalists anytime that those words are sort of thrown around really it it is you know code for jews um and you know it's it's interesting when i first you you know i was i was tracking people on vote and um i was i was surprised honestly to see so much uh so much anti-semitic content and you know uh, i made a you know, an alt account. And I, and I asked some of these people, I said, you know, what, you know, I'm Jewish. And, you know, I've said, I said that I was a believer and that I follow the movement and, and, you know, I, I, I don't understand, you know, can I not be a part of the, you know, what's the deal? And their answer was very interesting. They said, you know, we don't hate uh, all Jewish people. We only hate 
Jewish people that use their religion to usurp power. And so they have this very roundabout way of rationalizing it to themselves, that it is not this hate movement, that it's not anti-Semitic, that they're not Nazis. You know, in their minds, they think they're fighting, you know, communist Nazis uh, in the form of Joe, Joe Biden, uh, which couldn't be, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, of course, the most radical orthodox element of Judaism in America supported Donald Trump. And right theoretically, would be emboldened by Q's objectives. So those groups use their Judaism um, and connection to Israel specifically to advance their power as well. But uh, one of the things that Travis has imparted is that these people are not introspective. And so you do seem to add a different dimension to this by saying they're doctors and psychiatrists and people with areas of expertise who are falling prey to this because those people professionally have to be introspective to some degree. Right. Um, and if anyone was being introspective or intellectually honest, they would understand that Donald Trump had many Jewish supporters using their Judaism to advance their power. Right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, they, they also don't, you know, they also don't have a problem with, um, the Koch brothers who are billionaires who are funding, you know, different groups. It's, it, you know, it's very, look, uh, it's the way that our social media infrastructure and our, and our news media infrastructure, um, has sort of evolved over the last couple of years is that people are siphoned into their own echo chambers. And so it's it's become kind of commonplace for people to not uh, uh, have to intellectually sort of uh, analyze um, ideas that are uncomfortable for them. Right. Um, you know, it's it's easy. Oh, well, this it, this makes me question my worldview, all the things that made me feel so good about believing in QAnon. If I deal with this, you know, if I if I have to reconcile that with these this new set of facts, that's a very uncomfortable place for me to be in. And I don't have to. You know, I can stay on you know, I can stay in my Facebook group. I can stay on my vote group. I can hang out on the chans, you know, and and basically uh, never have to hear anything that contradicts, you know, my, my own confirmation bias. What are the most active steps that can be taken towards de-radicalization separate from what has already occurred, which is the long overdue deplatforming of prominent Q accounts that were setting trends in America's town square, which should never have happened. Um, now that we are where we are, please prescribe the de-radicalization. Well, look, I, I am not a, you know, I'm not a, a, a mental health expert um, and I am not a, a de-radicalization expert. So this is, this is purely my, my personal opinion. Um, but I do think that one step that, um, that I think a lot of people are afraid to take is to find some common ground with these people. I, I find that when I talk to, uh, you know, the few people in my life who are, um, you know, pretty, pretty far right, uh, you know, they were Trump supporters and maybe, you know, maybe flirting with Q a little bit, um, but definitely 
definitely hoping that the narrative of QAnon could in fact be true. People that do want to see, you know, the arrest, arrest of Hillary Clinton, you know, at the very least. Um, you know, I, I think that I find that they are more willing to listen to me when I admit, hey, you know what? Yes, you know, our system is fucked up in a lot of ways. You know, you do have a, you know, you do have a, a huge wealth gap. And, and it does seem like, you know, it does seem like uh, different people uh, based on their status in society have different sets of rules. Um, and you say, hey, you know, there is, you know, there is a problem with, uh, you know, uh, child trafficking. Uh, with, you know, look at, you know, look at uh, the, the Epstein case, you know, because the thing is, I think what pushes people further to the right is they know that these they use these these sort of landmarks. Right. We'll call them stuff like Epstein, stuff like um uh, you know, how, how various media outlets treat various political, political figures, you know, there's a, a perceived bias. And when they don't see us, you know, the liberals admitting uh, the faults uh, within our own party or within the system at large, they, they, they think, you know, these people are lying to me. There's, there is something that I feel that I, that I know to be true and nobody on the other side is even willing to admit it. They just call me crazy or they call me a racist or they call me a, a, a terrorist or, or, you know, whatever. And that pushes them further right. And so I personally think that we have to find a way to at least achieve some common ground and then explain that, you know, look, you're your grievances have merit but the direction that you've chosen for the solution is wrong and here's why I, I, you know and and that you know is is the could be the beginning of the conversation but i think as long as as long as people that are susceptible to this kind of belief system feel that they're not getting any sort of um, any sort of admittance from who they perceive to be, you know, the the enemy, you know, the enemy or, or the opposite party. You know, um, it's just they're they're going to dig in deeper to the one source that is at least giving them that. You know, and and I've seen that a lot. You know, I we see that a lot online is is people, uh, you know. The, the thing that they're most passionate about, really, when, when it comes down to it and you talk to, to QAnon believers, is saying that it's real. You know, hey, this is real. Hey, we're not crazy. You know, and, and when we go to the rallies um, and, you know, you know, eventually, you know, we try to go undercover, but eventually we get made because, you know, we're not great. Um, you know, we're not great secret agents, the three of us. Um, you know, when they approach, you know, Travis, because he's the most visible, I think, of the three hosts. Um, the first thing they say is, hey, you know, hey, we're regular, you know, we're regular people, man, you know, we're, you know, we're not crazy, we're not, you know, the, you know, we're not these violent, you know, people that we're made out to be. Um, they they just want you, they, ju- it, 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 it's, you know, and, and obviously I haven't spoken to, you know, the, the bulk of QAnon believers, but um, I, I do think that if we, if we want to not keep pushing them further, we have to address their grievances 
in a meaningful way that at least at the very least lets them lets them feel like hey we we, we understand that that you're upset and that and that you believe that the system is unfairly stacked against you and let's let's try to talk about that and i th- and i th- and i also think you know what what we try to do on the show which is we we try to approach all of these topics with with compassion and a little bit of humor and, you know, there have been instances of people who, who've written into us who, who sort of stumbled upon the Twitter account and thought it was a pro QAnon account. And as they started to listen and read the tweets, they started to think, oh, well, this is kind of silly. And, oh, yeah, well, Q was, you know, Q was wrong a lot of these times. And these guys are laughing because it's, you know, it's ridiculous and it's absurd and bizarre. And, um, you know, we've we've seen instances where that has helped people sort of back, you know, back out of the rabbit hole. Jake, I think you're right to identify the collective in shared grievances and also understand there won't be tolerance for domestic terrorism. Um, my my the reason that you and your colleagues go by pseudonyms and not your real names, I would imagine is the proclivity for violence. And that violence is from this community. Um, yes. And, and I think that can't be emphasized enough, which is to understand that a belief system that is based on violence or terrorism, or that is grounded in, in lies um, will, will ultimately uh, re- result in in an assault on civil society, um, and uh, and I and I do think you recognize that. Um, oh, abs- absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, even the you know before the you know before the insurrection at the Capitol, um, you know, there have been a a handful. I think you could count on two two hands of you know. Uh, instances of QAnon followers of putting themselves in harm uh, or their families in harm. Um, and that has to be uh, condemned uh, totally. And I agree that any, that when you, like I was saying earlier, when you have a, a narrative where the sort of the, you know, the main event are, you know, military executions, um, it's not going to be good. It's, it's not going to be good. It's, it's all bad. However, however, I do th- I do think that that there are a good there there are a a number of of QAnon believers uh, that have no intention of of committing that kind of violence, and I do think that we need to work together to try to help those people while uh, while condemning and preventing uh, the ones that have made up their minds to commit violence like we saw at the Capitol uh, from doing so and being able to do so. And I, and I believe that the social media bans and um, that sort of thing are, are really good because any, any way that you can help to destabilize uh, any kind of uh, means of organization, I think is going to um, is, is a positive in terms of uh, this, this conflict. Jake, thank you so much for your insight today. Thank you so much for having me. Great, great questions, Alexander.